So it's Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 9. I'll be reading from the, um, the CEB. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right in over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, how we want to be one of those excellent churches, like the big churches with like timers and fog machines and stuff. And here we go for getting our mics and stuff like that. So I think we'll always be the authentic, you know, this is who we are church. Um, amen. <laughs> amen. Um, but this is the last week of our, the series that we've been on decolonizing the church. Um, but it's not this subject or theme or approach to scripture or to church or to discipleship is not something that we do, whatever, two months out of the year. It's not a topic we just focus on and then we move to normal Christian stuff or how, how am I doing with Jesus in my heart stuff, but it's, it's, a, it's the way that God made things. It's the way that God wants us to live. It's how we should um, approach the church and um so we uh one of the biggest things that i've been reflecting on is it's not just the series but it's how we teach you know other weeks through advent through uh lent through um the scriptures it's with with this lens or with this bent or with this kind of eyes open to the heart of god the heart of christ in our world and so um and in some of our discipleship groups and that are coming up we want to begin to dive deeper with one another but also in the scriptures and into god's heart uh, for what it looks like to be a church um, that is striving to be diverse but more than just diverse uh, to go deeper and learn how to advocate for one another how to um, give space, give up power, share power, um, what it looks like to be deconstructed and decolonized, and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but yes, there is a vision uh, for a church without patriarchy, for a church without white supremacy, or for a church um, that is pursuing the gospel and creating spaces that are holy and safe um, for all people, and so um, that's our intent, that's our desire. And of course, people are sinful, people are limited, leaders are sinful, leaders are limited, but we wanna carry humility um, um, as we uh, are a church together, a humility and a willingness um, to confess and repent when we need to. And um, then we go for there and from there and allow the Holy Spirit to, to move us and transform us and change us. Can you agree to that with me, church? Awesome. Great. 
So I am actually coming from a Labor Day family retreat that's still going on in Yelm, nearby Yelm. And I uh, woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning. I was going to come over at around 6, make it here and work on some stuff. But I woke up at 3, so I couldn't fall back asleep, so I just started driving. And uh, the thing with that timing is nothing was open. No coffee shops, no, not even McDonald's was open. Gone are the days of 24-hour grocery stores. Nothing's open. And so I was hungry, and <laughs> I was just driving, and I had no coffee. Um, so, and then I ended up parking in the Fred Meyer lot over there around 5 a.m., and I just fell asleep <laughs> until something opened. Then I went to Starbucks. Um, so it was quite the journey. I don't know if the spirit woke me up or whatever, but i that's why I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. I'm in retreat mode, um, but it seems like I'm underdressed because it's kind of cold out there and I'm about to start raining. So um, please forgive me for not being in my Sunday best. Um, this passage, um, this passage is often called by many people um, God's peaceable kingdom, right? This is what uh, a picture or a vision of when God the ruler, when Christ the ruler uh, has come and his reign is complete, that his kingdom will be a place where these things happen, where this vision um, um, is lived out. And, I mean, quite frankly, it's a pretty idyllic image, right? It's like, wow, right? The, the, the lion is going to be with the lamb, you know, and the viper, you know, is rolling with the, you know, child or whatever. Um, but when does that happen? Like, when in nature does any of those things happen, right? There's predator and prey, there's dangerous and there's innocent. There's deadly and violent and there's soft and fragile. And Isaiah is putting these images together uh, to show that there's only one power. There's only one um, kind of kingdom or kind of rule or authority under which the, the impossible can happen. And that's a kingdom or a land that is safe and holy, that is safe and holy. And that's kind of an image that I see with the church community, with Christ's church, that this place, or renew, that this place would be a safe and holy place, right? Safe in that people feel welcome here. People feel that they belong. People feel like this is a community for them. But not only that, people feel that we can share our deepest, darkest insecurities, right? We can share our weaknesses, the places that we're vulnerable, the places that we're fragile, and it will still be okay. Like, this is a church that we don't have to put on, right? The pastor's not even wearing a right, dress shirt, right? We don't have to put on our Sunday best, or we don't have to have all of our habits and sins right, in a, our ducks in a row in order to come this, into this place. But it is, you know, maybe it's used too often as a cliche, a come-as-you-are church. Not because of any kind of techniques or any strategies that we use, but because the Spirit of the Lord is in this place and we're submitted 
to the Spirit of the Lord. And when the Spirit of the Lord is here, then people belong. People come home and people feel safe. Are you with me, church? I'm trying to get a rhythm. Um, and, um, and then holy, right? Holy is a place, holy is that which is separated, right? Separated out, is special, right? Is, is set apart, right? And so not only is this a safe place where we are open and vulnerable, but also it's a place where God's presence is here, right? God is present. God is powerful. The Spirit is at work transforming. And we come into worship or we come and interact in community and life together. We come and pray together. We, we come and interact with Scripture expecting with the full expectation and hope and faith that God is moving and the Spirit of the Lord will do something. Amen? And the Spirit of the Lord is all throughout the chapters that surround us. And in chapter 11 of Isaiah, the Spirit is moving and is transforming creation itself. And the images you see um, in end of chapter 10 is this image of the mountain. You see Zion, right? The great mountain of Jerusalem. And a great axe is cutting down all of the trees, every single tree down to the stump. And if you imagine looking over miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of land that was once green, right, with trees and life and the birds and the wildlife, all of a sudden being chopped down and you just see desolate stumps. Uh, just kind of a brief story to illustrate this is when we, uh, in our home, when we first moved in, we had a giant maple tree. It was huge, and there was huge evergreen trees. And so, like, their grass, there was just all bark in our front yard. Grass couldn't grow because it was so shady. And actually, in the summer, we didn't need air conditioning because it was so, it was so shaded, and um, it was cool around us. And I think Seattle is one of the per capita, you know, one of the cities with the most like densely treed, populated, populated with trees. And our neighborhood is, you know, maple trees, evergreen trees, just beautiful. But a builder has been going around buying up old houses and tearing them down and building these mega, putting two big houses on one plot. And they just chopped all the trees down right? Including the huge maple tree. And then all of a sudden, I looked around my yard and I'm like, wow, this is just desolate. And the sun would shine into our room through the blinds. I'm like, what is this? It's waking me up in the morning. It's hot. I'm sweating. And, and then I was like, Marion, because Marion's a landscape architect, right? So I go to Marion what do I do with my lawn now? Like, there's nothing here. There's nothing. Like, the tree and the leaves were the best features, and now everything's cut, and we just have, you know, literally this stump, right, in, in our yard. And um, a couple people gave us little uh, saplings of trees 
to plant in our yard. And even uh, some people in the neighborhood came and like interviewed me because they were mad about the trees getting cut down. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they cut down our tree and trying to, you know, do a movement in the neighborhood. And uh, uh, but we planted these trees, a couple of them throughout our yard. And then I started, you know, get, I got my shovel and started digging all over the place and throwing pebbles around to make pathways, trying to do my version of landscaping without a plan, just, you know, what I do, just go in there. It looks pretty nice. You should visit our yard. You know, I'm pretty proud of it. Plus, Marion helped me with bringing all, some native plants and stuff, a lot of plants, and we planted them. But those trees were like this high, even smaller when we planted them. But now, right, they're starting to provide shade, literal shade. And I actually have to start raking my yard again. And the trees have grown up. And um, it's amazing how life has taken over again. And there's a renewal Right? And another thing happens in the fall, right, uh, to our trees. What happens? The leaves turn orange and, and the leaves fall off. And all of those oaks out there, right now they're lush and they're green and they're full. But later on, we'll have some work days scheduled <laughs> <laughs> where they'll all be on the ground. And we'll be making huge piles and try to get rid of those leaves because they'll all drop. And those branches that were once full with life and greenness and lusciousness uh, will be empty and bare again. And, and that's the cycle of the seasons, but they're also metaphors and analogies for the, the seasons and the cycles of life, right? That we go through ups and downs. Uh, we go through life and spring and new things, and reproduction, new life, and we're excited, we're joyful, we go play out in the sun, we emerge from our caves from the winter time and the, the season of rain where the skies are dark, as if we're coming out of Noah's Ark, like, is it safe, is it safe, especially here in the Northwest, and it's sunny for three months this summer, and I fear that that's about to end, and the rains are coming, they're coming, and once again, the leaves will fall, right? And winter will come. And some of us will also, in our um, physical bodies and in our mental, mentally and in our souls, will feel the weight of winter and the weight of death, right? And, and even depression or um, other things like that. And those are all cycles. And this is all to say that as followers of Jesus, with God in our life, he doesn't promise, God doesn't promise that we won't suffer, right? God doesn't promise that we won't experience seasons of death or hardship or, or times of winter, right? If God promised that, then Jesus wouldn't have to die, right? Jesus wouldn't have to die if there wouldn't, he promised there wouldn't be suffering, but there is suffering, there is sin, there is uh, the destruction of creation in our world. But what God promises us, what God offers us is when these things are happening, right? When the winds come and the rains come and death comes or loss comes and you're experiencing hardships, 
The promise all throughout scripture is what? I will be with you. Be courageous. Be faithful. I will be with you. I will be with you. The presence of God is the promise in scripture. Right? And I've been thinking a lot about this in terms of my parenting, right? Because oftentimes we can think about parenting like how can I keep my kids safe, right? How do I keep them from getting into danger? Or how do I keep them from being on the next true crime podcast series, right? How do I keep them from getting kidnapped? How do I keep them from ha going, having, making bad friends and having bad influences? How do I keep them from this or that? And really, it's like there's no guarantee, right? There's no guarantee. I cannot keep my kids safe. I cannot protect, right? I don't have the power to completely control that situation. And, but my goal as a parent is also not to, uh, not to completely like surround them with a bubble, right? Surround them with a bubble so that they never suffer. They never, they never, right? get into conflict. They're always comfortable. They're always fed. They're always safe. Even though my heart of hearts as a father, I'm like, yes, I want that, right? Actually, when Cammie falls and gets hurt, I get angry. It's like, what is this? why am I getting angry? Because she's hurt, right? Because it's an out-of-control, vulnerable feeling, right? I could not do anything about that, and she's hurting. And that, that, like, that comes up in me. But really, is my job as a parent to constantly shield them from that, right? Or is it to teach them, right? When those things happen, not only are you loved um, by your parents, but God also loves you, right? And God has a promise for you. And you can lift up your cries, you can lift up your prayers to God. Are you with me, church? Amen. So this is why it makes this passage so ironic, right? Because Isaiah is prophesying in a time uh, when the threat of the Assyrians occupying Israel is there. And the message has been, hey, you guys have been covenant breakers. You have been disobedient. You have been walking away from God, and this is why this is happening to you, right? Gone are the, your glory days, essentially, right? Gone are the glory of the leaves, the oak trees out there. Gone is the maple tree from your yard. Gone is the great shade that gave you comfort, right? That's going to be, I'm going to take the Assyrians like a great axe and just lay you out. That's the end, like that's chapter 10. And then on a dime, you get this hopeful imagery, this hopeful vision, uh, almost idyllic. And you're like, what? It's like conversational whiplash, right? Like, how, what, what's going on here? And I think Isaiah, like many prophets, right, they have an eye towards 
what's currently happening historically, the people that they're prophesying to, the people that they're talking to, the geopolitical realities, but also they have an eye towards the coming one, right? An eye towards the future, right? Is Isaiah talking about the future, a future king, a human king that's coming in the Davidic line, right? Or is Isaiah talking about the Messiah, right? Jesus who's coming. So that's one kind of layer we have to look at. But um, if you look at the top of chapter 11, a shoot will go up from the stump of Jesse. Who is Jesse? The father of David. So that immediately would conjure up in people's minds the line of David, King David. Jesse is David's father. This is King David, the monarch, what harkened back to the days when Israel and Judah were in their glory days, right? We have a great ruler. We have a great temple. And now those things are gone. But once again, out of the stump will grow a shoot. How many of you have seen a stump and with a little shoot, right, coming out of it? It's, it's kind of amazing, like a dead old thing, but something new coming out of the middle. And this is the image here that once again, I will bring back um, the glory of the kingdom. But this new ruler, this, this new monarch who will come, he will be authoritative. He will be powerful. He'll transform the whole land. And under this ruler's uh, authority, this is what will happen. These are the kind of things that will be. Um, what was I going to say? That'll be um, in his in his realm. The wolf will lie down. Will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie together. And a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the waters covers the seas. I don't know about you, but when it's dark and I go outside and I hear animal sounds or I'm camping, I get really scared. It's not a safe place for me, right? Because my fear are that there are lions out there. Oh, there are not lions in Seattle, but maybe one of them escaped from a zoo or something. There's a cougar out there, right? I'm even afraid of raccoons because raccoons do some deadly things to pets. And they, they seem vicious, and they're, they're really smart. And I see them climbing fences and going through people's garbage and stuff late at night. And so when I hear them, when I'm on my porch at night, I get really scared, right? We're meant, these things are not meant to dwell in peace together. Amen. Right? And we walk around in fear. I think that's part of, like, um, just the brokenness in our world, right? 
Like, since creation has been broken, when I run at that squirrel, that squirrel runs away from me, right? And I want to play with the bird, the sparrow, but the sparrow will never come into my hand, right? There's fear. There's distrust. And in a broken world, we understand that so vividly. Amen? We live in a broken world with broken relationships, polarized world. And we know that even it's been accentuated um, in these last five years. I was talking to someone like, I'm just getting to a place where my, we're okay as a family getting together for Thanksgiving, right? And knowing how to, what subjects to avoid, right? But that's not, that's not the place we want to be, right? We don't want to fight, so we'll just avoid those topics, politics, religion, whatever, blah, 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 blah. We'll avoid those and we'll, you know, put those under a rug and so we won't have conflict. And I think our culture, the next generation, our children don't know how to have disagreements or have civil discourse about things that they disagree with. We don't know how to have conversations about things that we disagree with and, and just stay in that place, right? Our, our thing, I think the habits that we've learned is to go into our tribes, into our camps, because we feel more comfortable talking to people who agree with us. And we've lost the skill of simple debate, right? Holding things in tension, disagreeing with people, and that still being in community, still being friends with people. But the chasm has grown, right? And we continue to hear about wars and rumors of wars and the threat of war and violence. We continue to hear about real violence happening against weaker nations, right? Stronger people against weaker people is happening in our news feeds over and over and over again. And here is the prophet Isaiah saying, these nations, right, the predators and the prey will be laying together and feeling and being safe. And what's interesting about this passage is they're not losing their identity, right? The lion is still the lion. The wolf is still the wolf. The viper is still the viper, right? The little baby is still the baby. The lamb is still the lamb. It's not just all. So one day, God will make all the animals the same, the same color, the same shape, the same fur, the same wool, whatever, and they'll all be happy together. You would think right? That that's what we're headed to, right? It seems like that's the vision for today's church, right? Let's just get everyone to look the same and to think the same. Let's disciple people into this way, singing these songs and looking like this, and then we've arrived. The kingdom of heaven has come. Or you would think, even outside of the church, that the place to be is where everyone is in harmony and agreeing, and there's no conflict at all. But that's not the vision here in Isaiah. The vision is lion, wolf, lamb, child. These things should not be together. These things should not be together, and yet... Because it is God's land, 
there is peace. And I think the tension for me is, man, what's the point of life? Right? If this is the picture, why can't God just make it happen now? And like, let's, let's go to heaven. <laughs> like, kingdom of God, come now. Like, why do I experience this conflict? Or why, you know, even in church, right, I hang out with people or talk to people and there's so much conflict in, in families. There's so much conflict even within our church, right? There's so much conflict uh, in my own household. Like, why can't it just be like this now? And the promise is, right, God says, I will be with you. I am with you. And the call to all of us is this, right? In the midst of brokenness, in the midst of distrust, in the midst of uh, not feeling safe, or in the midst of our own predatorial tendencies, right? Our own tendencies to take and grab so that we can be fed, um, what seems like natural instinct. In the midst of that, here's a different vision. Here's the hope. Here's the Christian hope, right? Of God's kingdom come. And faith, the challenge of faith is the wolves are tearing up the lambs, but I am still living as if we will lay together one day, right? That's, that's the church. That's the people of God, that we live, we go against the grain, right? We swim upstream because we're holding on to a hope that's out of this world, right? It's not, not what we see every day, not what we see in the news or what we experience. And for me, the fear is, Hey, if I lay myself down, right, I'm going to get torn up, right? I'm going to get stepped on. I'm going to get trampled on. But the call is, right, can you live with vision, with kingdom vision, with a vision for the peaceable kingdom, right? Can we act as if there is a realm, there is a community, there is a space where there's safety, for all, where, where all belong, where, where peoples are affirmed, where, where my claws are petting the wool of that sheep, like, yes, nice little sheepy. <laughs> it shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be. I know one thing that's challenging is that all of us come from different backgrounds. All of us, right? Life is an intersection, right? It's about intersectionality, right? As an Asian American, in some ways, I feel like I'm a minority and not a part of the dominant culture. As a pastor who has a microphone and a male, I have... I hold power, right? I feel like I have power. And so because there's so many backgrounds 
and kind of uh, roles and identities that are crossing and intersecting, sometimes the things that I lift up to God are, man, in a diverse community where we're trying to empower people and affirm people and create spaces where everyone can thrive, who goes first, right? Or when should I shut up? When should I lead? When should I push these people away so these people can come? When should I just, you know, take the ball and, you know, be Michael Jordan and score, right? When should I just model it? When should I just do it? When do I need to train people? When do I need to tell people, no, that's not what you should do, right? Who, you know, are you with me, church? Like, there's so much complexity, and um, sometimes it just, I, my mind goes haywire um, because, and it, it creates a paralysis in me. Like, I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to do. I don't know if you're familiar with the Ender series by Orson Scott Carn. But the speaker for the dead, there's these three different races, right? The piggies, that's the tree guys, right? And the buggers, and the, I think the humans. And they're all trying to build their civilization and thrive. And in the book, it's set up that whatever Ender concentrates on, right? That it kind of, envis- it kind of empowers that species to thrive. Right? But he's a limited person, so he keeps going back and forth. Right? And he's like, he's totally anx- has anxiety and he's totally stressing out because, oh, I can't pay attention to everyone and have them thrive. And so he's like, ah! And that part of me, and while you're reading, is like, it's not your responsibility, right? Give it up, Ender. Right? And that's what Jesus has been saying to me like, you cannot control dynamics. You cannot control dynamics, but there are places that you, that if we as a community learn how to hold our power well, what does it mean to hold power, right? Or to give power or to lay power down? What what does it mean to take up space, right? Where you're so used to abdicating, you're so used to others going before you, what does it mean to like, no, I'm stepping in. I'm, I will be heard or I will act or yes, I will take the ring though I do not know the way. <laughs> what does it mean to be the hobbit <laughs> uh, moving forth when you're not the, you know, the, the prototypical warrior that's, that people think, oh, that's the person to take the ring on the journey. You're just a furry-footed, short hobbit that likes to eat and lives in a peaceful shire, right? What does it look like? And I don't know, right? I know I keep saying this, I don't know, but I feel like that's what it means to be spirit-led as a church. Not like, I don't know, like, we're spirit-led, let's wing it, but I don't know. What are you doing, Lord? And if each of us ask that in the places that we're at, I don't know what will you have of me, Lord, in this place, right? Do you want me to speak? Do you want me to 
step back? Do you want me to be in relationship with this person? Like, who are you calling me to be with? And how are you challenging my heart? And see the ways in my life um, that are hurtful, not just in this church, but in our, our work lives, right? In our households, in our schools, in all of our roles that, and hats that we carry. Like, what does it look like to live into this vision of the peaceful, peaceable kingdom? A lot of people connect this to the idea of shalom, this passage. Shalom being um, where you and me and that person and that person, we're thriving, right? The, the, we're looking out for one another's well-being, right? And, and the whole is considered over the parts. That's what's happening here, right? Something has to be laid down in order for safety to thrive. Does that make sense, right? Scarcity must be placed down in order for abundance to thrive, right? Selfishness must be put down in order for more people to have, right? Ambition sometimes needs to be laid down in order for the whole to move forward. Um, so my prayer is that we would live our lives um, with this picture of the prophet in our hearts, that the impossible is possible, that the way of the world doesn't have to be the way, that there is another way, and that way uh, will have fullness, the full fulfillment in the times to come. Are you with me, church? And that Yes, we will be vindicated. Yes, if we live this way, God sees and God is coming. Jesus is coming. Trust, trust. Continue to walk, continue to live in this direction. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you. Thank you that like a mother hen that loves her chicks, that you are loving us, that you know each of us by name. You know what we wrestle with. You know the cries of our heart. And you embrace us gently and compassionately. And you create spaces of safety uh, that we can all thrive. And I pray that we could give in um, to your spirit that's making pockets of your kingdom of Zion um, in its glory once again with the fullness of life, the fullness of trees in bloom and all the animals um, living together in peace and being more fully who we are meant to be in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.